Welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Joy McFarlane, joining me today is Adam Miller of Old Firm Facts, Twitter fame and Jules, Captain Howdy Boyle. So, on the pod today, what else can we talk about other than John Flanagan getting away with a citation from the SFA for his elbow on Scott Brown? Loads to talk about there. We'll be going into the issues at Aberdeen that they face next season, having lost their captain, Graham Shinney. And finally, we'll look ahead to the battle at the weekend between St Johnston and Hamilton and Dundee and St Mirren. Who is going to drop down into the relegation playoff? Guys, well, just as we come on air, the nuclear bomb is dropped. John Flanagan gets away with his elbow on Scott Brown. Okay, let's have a quick look at the rules then and see if there's anything amongst those, the IFAB rules, that will give us a sense of why perhaps this uh, card has been overturned. The violent conduct rules are as follows. Um, When a player uses or attempts to use excessive force or brutality against an opponent when not challenging for the ball, so absolutely that falls under this category, Um, or against a teammate, team official, match official, spectator, or any other person, regardless of whether contact is made. In addition, a player who, when not challenging for the ball, deliberately strikes an opponent or any other person on the head or face with the arm or hand is guilty of violent conduct, unless the force used was negligible. Now, I think all of us assumed, as we discussed uh, in the past couple of days on the podcast, that the reason that the, the card would have been a red one was because he clearly strikes him in the face. Now, having looked back at it several times, there is now a little bit of dubiety in my mind whether he strikes him in the upper chest or in the face. Now, Rangers might have done enough to um, put a little bit of doubt in the SFA's mind. However, I still would argue that regardless of whether or not he hits him in the face, that um, it's still violent conduct because um, he strikes him with an elbow... I would say it's excessive force. Um, Is it brutality? Well, brutality in the glossary is listed as savage, ruthless, or deliberately violent. Um, It just comes down to a lawyer's argument at that point, doesn't it? I mean, we're talking about semantics. We're talking about what's gone in the past. Although the SFA are always keen to point out that these things are not done by precedent. What happened last week has no impact Mm. on what happens now. Does, uh, does the rules, the IFAB rules there, Adam, give you any pause for thought on this? It gives me absolutely zero pause for thought. Uh, people listening should be aware that Johnny's not actually reading them off a phone. I've never seen someone spend as much time on the IFAB website <laughs> as Johnny. He's got them all memorised. Um, yeah, that gives me zero pause for thought, but it also probably explains how Rangers got away with it. I think, as you said, it'll have come down to semantics. I think they'll have been able to argue that the position of where the blow was struck and that will have probably been the grounds on which it was dismissed but to me I think uh, the issue here is there was violent force, it was violent conduct uh, regardless of whether it was his face or anywhere else it's a matter of inches and the fact is it was a completely unnecessary blow, he wasn't competing for the ball um, to my mind it's a straight red card yeah, I think I think when you you say that there that those uh, examples of, of the rules there, deliberately violent was one of the examples. You know, that phrase deliberately violent. There is no argument that that was deliberately violent, and, and obviously the severity of it and blah blah these sort of things like that. You've got the deliberately violent in there. He raised his arm, he elbowed him, or 
forearmed or whatever the bit of the arm it's not the forearms called and cracked them one whether it was the neck the chest the face he cracked them one they went down as Adam says there was no ball wasn't in play they were not in action after that he was getting done do you know what I mean and he's gave him one and that's football do you know what I mean and I'm not for a minute saying oh we shouldn't have any of these sort of things like that it's just football and that happens and if it's your team you love seeing someone especially someone you don't like getting done a wee bit like you don't want to be injured it's part of the game but it's not allowed and you should get properly punished for it and that thing he's done this and according to the rules of the game he's, 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 he's guilty but they've obviously argued a great case, I just say semantics, and they've wangled round it of how severe it was and how the way it actually hit and blah, blah, And they've, you know... Let me give you a bit of background on where a lot of this comes from. Now, there's been a um, bit of what they would call guidance from UEFA, uh, and the example they used in their guidance was that David Beckham's red card in the, I think it was 1998 World Cup yep. Finals when he flicked out at Diego Simeone, then of Argentina, was using an example of... An incident that happened where the player displayed more petulance than anything else and there was no danger of the opposition player being injured by what happened. It was merely an act of petulance. And the guidance said, look, we don't really want to be sending off players for that kind of thing because it's a bit of a silly rule in a lot of ways. Players are being overly punished for an incident like that. And the, the, the Beckham example is the most obvious one that everyone remembers. Now that came into Scottish football this season. And the first time we saw this, uh, most obviously, was Alfredo Morelos against uh, Scott McKenna in the first game of the season against Aberdeen, uh, when he flicked out and he was red-carded, and everyone thought, well, it's a stonewall red card by what we've seen in the past. But it was overturned on this rule, because the guidance, which chimes into this whole thing about violent conduct and about brutality, means that he was uh, let off. So... My argument at the time with that was this. They have the ability to override that because it says deliberate violence, as you very accurately say, Jules. Have they opened up, Adam, a total can of worms with this, whereby almost anything um, that happens, they are having to judge the force itself to see whether or not it's a red card or not. And you can't measure force yep. unless you're a physician. <laughs> yeah. And it is a can of worms that's completely open to interpretation now because every time we have any incident like this where there's even the slightest hint of jabiety, people are going to go, oh, it wasn't X amount of force. Um, it was just petulance, you know, mm -hmm. that that kind of thing. It's, uh, I, I don't see this ever being resolved comfortably. I think there's every single issue, like uh, every single instant, like the Flanagan one is going to result in this kind of debate. Has it got to high farce now though, Jules? I mean, is this comedy gold? Are we in Monty Python territory here? <laughs> we really are. I've actually just, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking what they've actually done here is they've legally brought what about her into the rules. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what they've done. All of a sudden it's like, ah, but oh, oh, oh. It's just, it's a shambles. And just when you think that SFA can't, get any more ludicrous and can't be any more vague and woolly and contradictory and open themselves up for every but fan to go, oh... Fa fair's fair. The SFA, and I know fans get really frustrated about this, these SFA panels, they can't have consistency because it's different people well, each yeah. time. And so you can't say, well, there's a precedent set by this panel. Correct. Because yeah. the, the people, people on the panel might be different. Yeah, well, it was the same as the same as football Scotland. So do you know what I mean? Saying, "Oh, you said this yesterday." We've different people doing it. Absolutely correct. But that is the issue of it because it's still the same body. It's still the same players are going up, but it's different people with different ideas but, and but how we interpret the rules. Should we not be a little bit more acceptive and mature 
about the way the process works. Scottish football, Johnny. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Get a grip, man. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not saying I've got the solution for it, but having different people with different ideas on how to interpret rules, it means, you know, I'm going to go up one day and get treated differently than Adam does the next day for the same incident. It just breeds discontent, it breeds distrust, it breeds even more paranoia and conspiracies that God Almighty Scotland football doesn't need anymore. And it's just this total mess of, and you nobody knows, like Flanagan the day, everyone in the world goes, oh, he's done for that, and he gets off with it. There's no prediction, there's no there's no black and white anymore, there's no rule book really of that thing, It's everything's up for maybe. Well, there was an interesting debate at Football Scotland desk yesterday where I said to Adam, Adam, I'm going to try an argument on, and I'm not saying that I believe it, I'm just trying it out. I said, John Flanagan should have been yellow carded, it was correct that they yellow carded him, because if you look at the rules, and then I explained it to Adam, and just looking at Adam's face was probably enough to convince me that I was doing the equivalent of uh, of uh, just making a complete fool of myself, essentially, <laughs> with this argument. And then you sort of slowly but surely talked me through why I was talking nonsense. Playing devil's wild. And I said, yeah, this is not an argument I'm going to pursue. Uh, and yet, that argument... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to say that I know better than the SFA, but uh, and I'll just say it, I know better than the SFA. Um, the interesting thing, if we're looking for a kind of resolution, if we're wanting a kind of a consensus, if you look under every story reporting on the Flanagan thing today, this might surprise you, but every Celtic fan, fan thinks it's a red card, and every Rangers fan thinks it was a yellow. That's so, mental. So that should clear Oofed. that entire thing up. What? Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, literally zero of the comments are fit for broadcast. No. Adam, where does this leave Rangers' statement? <laughs> um, because I, I, I think it's lo- ammo for another one. Yeah. Well, it looks old. It looks old. Yeah. Um, I think Rangers are never going to be lacking creativity when it comes to statements. I think Neil Lennon alluded uh, alluded to that the other day when he was coming out with his nonsense about new breed of Celtic fans. He mentioned something about Rangers as well and being fond of statements. But um, yeah, I, I think Rangers are never going to be short material when it comes to that. So I'm, there might be something slightly, uh, I don't know, triumphant in their mm. next statement about how they were proven right. I think the next statement might just be a gif. Yeah, a really possibly. triumphant gif of some sort of get up you type thing. Yeah. I think that's kind of. Straight, straight from my ears. Nah, 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 nah. Arfield doing the Bruni. <laughs> well, Mr. Jules Boyle has left us for a pressing engagement, but we will continue as we discuss Aberdeen. Now, Adam, they are a side that are going to go under a bit of flux, one might imagine, in the summer. They've lost their captain in uh, Graham Shinney, who's away down to Derby. Um, and in terms of the the situation with Derek McInnes, as we understand, um, he's not going to be the next Scotland manager. Um, and probably this will change as as, <laughs> as time goes on. We've, we've seen that things don't age well this week. Um, but if he does remain at the club, they are a side that is looking to be on the up in terms of the building of the new stadium, the new training complex, which is just about to go up. Um, but there's been some... I would say, mild consternation amongst Aberdeen fans about the style of play this year. I mean, McInnes talked about changing it up at the start of the season. Yeah, one of the one of the sort of strange ones for me is how Aberdeen seemed to have uh, just failed to get anything out of Greg Stewart, considering the form he was in at Kilmarnock. Um, when that happened in January, when Stewart ended up going to Pataudry, uh, there was all sorts of fuss getting kicked up about it. Steve Clark alluded to 
Uh, there was a kind of strange smell about the transfer. Uh, and that seemed, based on the form that he'd been in for Kilmarnock, that seemed like a a major signing for Aberdeen. And it just seems to have not worked out for him there. Uh, it is a really big summer. Um, there's rumours about Max Lowe today as well. Um, I think it's a big thing that McInnes appears to be staying. He's obviously not willing to take the step down and manage Scotland. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's it's a very big summer. Do you you admire Derek McInnes as a manager? I think there's a degree of consistency that McInnes has brought uh, in terms of, you know, leaving out this season, the last few years, the consistency that Aberdeen have had while Rangers haven't been part of the picture Aberdeen consistently finishing in second place I think you've got to take your hat off to McInnes for that and the fact that Rangers had openly targeted him as the replacement for Kashina that sort of speaks to the regard that he's been held in there have been several opportunities for him to go down south as well Um, he's not uh, he doesn't always get it right the the Greg Stewart uh, example being the first that comes to mind but uh, I think Aberdeen could do a lot worse. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a very good organiser of teams. And you see, when he goes up against Rangers and Celtic now, he has learned from the past few seasons when he struggled against the bigger clubs and struggled coming to Glasgow. Yeah. And you look at that um, say it was a quarter-final um, replay at Ibrox. I was the at the game, yeah, yeah, the 2-0 game. And yeah. Aberdeen were just... Honestly, superbly organised that yeah. night. Uh, Rangers just did not have an answer to break them down. And I suppose that's why people look at him and think he would be a good manager for Scotland, because yeah. he's he's very good at organising a team. Um, I think where he'll always have a problem is where he has to change the team to become more progressive well, and more attacking. Well, the, the thing, I think that's probably borne out by the record at Pataudry this season. They've been better. I mean, I've not checked the stats on this for a few weeks, but uh, from large parts of the season, they were better on the road. So that that game you're talking about at Ibrox, that McInnes got his tactics spot on that night. Uh, Aberdeen were comfortably the better team. It could have been more than 2-0 on that night. And that was an example of them, uh, you know, as the away side against Rangers, not expected to dominate that match, but tactically getting that right. Whereas maybe sometimes when they're at home and they're expected to dominate games, that's when it's less convincing. Absolutely. Um, they've also got some very, very good young players. I mean, you look at uh, Dean Campbell, yep. who was who got, I think, his debut in that game or certainly one of his first performances, and he was absolutely sensational. Just an 18-year-old in that midfield and looked um, ex- exceptionally comfortable. Um, and then you've got Lewis Ferguson, who's one, yep. of, the, one of the Young Players of the Year uh, nominees. Yep. Has McInnes got... A unique opportunity to here to build the club around those two young players, and given the stadium and given the training ground, is it is it exciting times for Aberdeen potentially? There are things to be excited about. Kingsford obviously is uh, on the horizon. Um, Lewis Ferguson's looked great any time I've seen him. He also looks like he's got a bit of bite about him, which I think McInnes will like. Um, I think yeah, I think there's. There's plenty for Aberdeen fans to be excited about, but as I said, it's a big summer, and uh, if McInnes is committing to the club, that's definitely a big thing. 
Yeah. I wonder as well as if there's a, a sense of realism that has to come over Aberdeen fans and that they've been second place now for quite a, quite a number of years. They've been competing for cup finals. Uh, they've lost a few to Celtic, but they've, they've been there. They've won one against Inverness Cali Thistle. Um, but perhaps with the resurgence of Rangers, um, it is difficult to see them being still the second force in Scottish football for much longer. And that's just realism, isn't it, hitting them? Because Rangers have 50,000 fans attending home games. They have that natural advantage in terms of finances. And it's very difficult for Aberdeen to overcome that in the long term. Short term, they've been able to do it. And it's been a brilliant achievement uh, when he's gone up against, uh, first of all, Mark Warburton, and then secondly, uh, Pedro Cushina, both who, who had vastly improved budgets over McInnes. But to keep doing that year after year, eventually it catches up with you. There has to be some realism about it. And... Uh as you alluded to, I think that the seasons Aberdeen were finishing second, Rangers were either not in the league or they weren't the force that they've become this season. Now, obviously, Rangers are still a work in progress, but uh, I think realistic, a realistic finish for Aberdeen or a realistic target for Aberdeen every season should be solidifying third place, possibly challenging for second and certainly trying to put cup runs together. Absolutely. Now we're going to move on to the relegation battle. We have got St Johnston against Hamilton and Dundee against St Mirren, the final two games of this SPFL uh, Premiership season. We already know that Dundee are relegated, so they have got absolutely no chance of doing anything. They've just got pride to play for. But both St uh, St Mirren and Hamilton can be relegated, well, sent into a playoff by coming 11th. In terms of the way it stands at the moment, Hamilton uh, only need to match the result of St Mirren to go through. So St Mirren don't have it in their hands, but they are the form team, having beaten Hamilton um, at uh, in Paisley the other night. Where, how do you see this last day drama going? Uh, well, I thought St Mirren were very good the other night against Hamilton. Obviously, it was a must-win for them. And... Uh, I think the first goal was around sort of 15 minutes to go, but it had been coming for quite a while. Hamilton had been down to 10 men following the red card in the first half, but I thought uh, you could feel that the goal was coming, and I think that showed in a big game that St Mirren are capable of getting these results, and you have to wonder why it's taken them until you know two games from the end of the season to show that kind of fight and passion. You know? Yeah, I suppose a lot of people will talk about the, the mess that Owen Kearney, uh, Oren Kearney, should I say, um, inherited from Alan Stubbs. You know, he signed a lot of players and uh, probably needed the time to not only get those players out, get new players in in the January window, but also bed those guys in at the team. And perhaps that's what they're seeing now. In terms of Hamilton, they've been in and about that relegation battle for quite a few years now. They've got a lot of players with experience of it and people like Tony Andrew and people like Ziggy Gordon, Doogie Emery. I look at that match against St Johnson and think, where are St John's? Where is St John's motivation coming from when there's a fifty-fifty challenge there? Um, they're about to go on their holidays. Some of them are out of contract, heading to new clubs. Where is the motivation for them to get stuck in? Whereas Hamilton will be on this game and at it one hundred percent. For me, that gives Hamilton the edge, not just their experience, but just that level of motivation that I think they they must have over the Perth Saints. You're probably right. But these things don't always pan out that way. Sometimes having that freedom of not having 
anything other than pride to play for allows you to express yourself a little bit more and not overthink things and you've seen it happen time and time and again whether it's a relegation battle or a title race when teams have got so much pressure uh, going into these games things that they would naturally do well going into those games suddenly they're overthinking they're taking an extra touch um, they're maybe not they're, they're maybe over committing in tackles uh, they're not judging things right because they're not just I don't want to lapse into cliche but they're playing the occasion rather than just the game uh, and I th- you know you're probably right with Hamilton they are they're definitely gonna want they've got more to play for than St Johnston in that game but St Johnston are a better team than Hamilton and if St Johnston are able to play in their normal style and Hamilton are maybe a bit frantic a bit tense then there's no guarantee Hamilton are going to win that game Yes, I take that point on board. I actually think that that will uh, affect St Mirren more because uh, Dundee, for me, will be going into their game with a little bit of motivation in terms, despite the fact they've already been relegated, because I think the players will want to show that it's not their fault that they've gone down. They'll want to push the blame onto Jim McIntyre, who's obviously been dismissed. Um, and I think they'll want to not only give uh, James McPake a good shout at the, at the manager's position. I know that Dundee are talking about him as a future manager. John Nelms has discussed that already. Um, so I think there's a number of factors why Dundee have a bit of motivation, especially in their own ground, to sort of send off the season in a positive way. Whereas St Johnston, uh, they're already the best of the rest. So uh, for me, I think Hamilton will manage to escape. And uh, I know there'll be a lot of people who'll look at that and say, oh, Hamilton, you know, small team, don't bring a big travelling support, um, plastic pitch. Um, But for me, Hamilton have been one of the most progressive sides in that division for quite a number of years. They've brought through a lot of terrific young players, Mm -hmm. elite players, not just very good ones. And on top of that, I think um, Brian Rice from what he's done since he got in there in January, he's taken an enormously brave decision to bin a Route 1 style of football, get the ball in the deck and start playing attractive football that will bring the fans back um, to the the Hamilton ground. And I think he deserves another crack at that, a a full season at it. And I suppose it's now up to his players to prove that I'm right on that. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, as you said, he's taken a bit of a gamble there. Traditionally, if you're in a relegation dogfight, you know, the tendency is just to lump the ball forward um, and play with a bit less finesse, but he's obviously got his style of play that he likes Hampton playing, um, and we'll see at the weekend if it pans out. Okay, and just one last thing, which is that uh, Bayern Munich are um, using rainbow flags in their final game of the season, uh, our clear reference and show of support to the LGBTQ community. Um, They've said, we want to set a clear example of tolerance and diversity against racism and homophobia. Um, Adam, this is not something that we've seen a lot of, I would say, in uh, Scottish football, but you've got one of the biggest clubs in world football making quite a clear statement on this. Is that something we should be encouraging our clubs to get involved with? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I take issue with anyone who would have a problem with that. I can't understand or fathom why anyone would have an issue with it. It's not in any way adversely affecting you. Um, So we've seen, unfortunately, when things like the the Rainbow Laces campaign for LGBTQ awareness, uh, when that's been implemented in British football, large amounts of people brilliantly have got behind it 
but you see this absolutely toxic element on social media, um, political correctness gone mad and all that crap. But with this kind of with this kind of thing, it's not having a negative impact on anyone, but it's having a positive impact on a marginalised group within society. Um, people will say, well, the same way that they do when any minority group gets any kind of recognition, they'll go, well, when's our day? When's International Men's Day? When's <laughs> Men's Rights Day? Uh, when's Straight Pride Day? Every day is Straight Pride Day. Straight people, heterosexual people are represented in every walk of life visibly with no questions asked. When a celebrity comes out as homosexual, that is a news story. And it sh- we shouldn't be at an age where it's still a news story, but it is a news story because it doesn't happen that often, particularly in football. A lot of footballers still don't feel comfortable in that environment to come out. What recognition, whether it be rainbow flag or anything else, does at the football is it gives a bit of a... a it gives a bit of support to people who might not feel that they're represented in football, who might not feel comfortable in that environment. So you still hear homophobic slurs being said, being shouted, being sung at football matches, and you maybe not to the degree that it was in the 80s and 90s, whatever, but it's still present, and it's certainly present on social media. So a child who's maybe being bullied at school um, because of their sexuality... Um, they 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 they'll see that rainbow flag, and it just shows them. Well, football isn't against people like me, and anyone that has an issue with that, I've got no time for whatsoever. And it's obviously the club is leading their fans down the right direction because it does give um, people who are trying to promote this these positive ideas and these positive messages the opportunity to say, well, your, your club backs this. Yeah. This is not just us saying it, and it gives it an empowerment and a and a and a, um, and a, and a power, yeah. Um, for lack of a better word, that you can use uh, as a force of good. Yeah, absolutely. Again, no one will ever be able to convince me that there's a single negative argument against this kind of thing. All it does is promote something positive. It promotes inclusion and it promotes support for people who might not otherwise be supported. Um, the only people who have any kind of issue with it are stuck in the past. Um, it's not saying that whatever football club is a specifically LGBT club and that heterosexual people are not invited and are not involved. It's saying that we have, within our group of supporters, we have people from all walks of life, from all types of backgrounds, and all of them should feel equally represented and safe within our stadium. Absolutely. That's all from us here at Football Scotland for today. We'll be back... Well, I was going to say back tomorrow, Adam, but it's going to be the weekend. We're going to be off. Well, I am. You're going to be off, Johnny. Sorry, mate. Um, (laughs) I'll fix that rota in future. We're going to be back on Monday just before 4pm, just in time to make your daily commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us on the Football Scotland website or on our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore Scott. To ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can find us at Johnny R. McFarlane for me and Adam. At Old Firm Facts 1. Until Monday, (laughs) thanks for listening. Bye.